Hey everybody, welcome to The Wake Up. Here's the latest from the entertainment industry, media biz, and social platforms on Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. With a lot going on, including a Stitcher sale, and Brad Pitt, Hamilton, Colin Kaepernick, Warner Music Group, and Simon & Schuster all making headlines. Plus, many NBA players are going to Disney World today, where they're going to begin training to finish out their COVID-interrupted season in the new national epicenter of the virus outbreak. Yeah, that should go well. And of course, a check-in with my favorite non-alcoholic brew, Athletic Brewing. And Netflix dropped the trailer that your 14-year-old self has been waiting for. And by that, I mean your current self. The Kissing Booth 2 featuring new hot eye candy talent that is nowhere near high school age. We need Marco for the booth. Everyone's obsessed with him. We were wondering if you'd be one of our kissers this year. No. Don't you believe in charity? Standing here talking to you. Uh, new hot guy has jokes. That one hits Netflix on Friday, July 24th, so now is the time to send out that virtual sleepover party invite. And now over to Hollywood. Where the Netflix PR folks did not get an extended July 4th weekend break, announcing that Dead to Me will return for a third and final season. The show's creator, Liz Feldman, also signed an overall deal at the streaming service, coming over from CBS Television, who produced Dead to Me. Brad Pitt has signed on to the bullet train. Okay, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense right now, but uh, it just kind of seemed like a cool thing to say. Bullet Train is a Sony movie from the director of Deadpool 2 and Hobbs and Shaw, so thinking you get the wheelhouse here, it's about a Japanese bullet train, see the title, with a bunch of professional hitmen and assassins on it. And I mean, you gotta love a good double entendre movie title. Last week, Netflix announced that they're doing a scripted limited series project based on Colin Kaepernick's life, and this week, Disney announced that they're going to do a docu-series about his life. They signed a first-look deal with the former NFL quarterback to produce scripted and unscripted projects dealing with race and social injustice themes across all Disney-owned platforms. And to note, the deal announcement was presented as coming from Bob Iger himself. And over at Apple TV, they signed a deal to develop series and specials based on the work of author Maurice Sendak, according to the trades. His most famous work, of course, being Where the Wild Things Are. And not to be outdone by the streamers, Warner Brothers Television signed Matt Reeves to an exclusive multi-year deal. Reeves is currently directing the Batman movie at Warner's with Robert Pattinson, although his first-look film deal is over at Netflix. The world's third largest music company, Warner Music Group, has entered into a partnership with Imagine Entertainment to co-produce and co-finance TV, movie, and documentary projects, according to Variety. The company's most recently teamed up for Nat Geo's edition of Genius, focused on Aretha Franklin, which was still in production before the coronavirus shutdown, with Cynthia Erivo playing Aretha. However, no new projects were announced with the partnership. But hey, free idea for Brian Grazer. Rupert Grint as Ed Sheeran sounds like a no-brainer to me. A3 Artist Talent Agency, formerly known as Abrams, is continuing to expand. They brought on Andy Patman and Adam Cantor from Paradigm to launch a film and TV lit department, according to the trades. They'll be bringing at least two other Paradigm agents along with them to start. And we'll finish off here with two headlines that both come out of the early 80s. Uh, First up, the number one slot at this weekend's uh, reduced box office went to a film from 1984. Sony's re-release of Ghostbusters, mostly at drive-in movie theaters, took in $550,000 over the July 4th weekend, according to Deadline. And it's the end of an era over at Days of Our Lives. Kristen Alfonso will not be rejoining the soap when production is slated to resume again in early September, also according to Deadline. She joined the show playing Hope Brady in 1983. Damn, I'm old. (laughs) 
Next up, over to the media biz and social platforms. With SiriusXM making a big move into podcasting, Simon & Schuster gets a new publisher, and a look at the potential financial impact of Hamilton over at Disney+. Oh, and uh, today's pop quiz? How many weekends was Ghostbusters number one at the box office in the summer of 1984? The answer, after a break for a non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing. So full disclosure, I'm a bit of a beer geek. I know, shocking. I even have an account on a beer app called Untapped, where you check in and rate beers whenever you have a new one, and my beer count is well over 5,000. And somehow I'm still single. Anyway, point being, I know my beer. And Athletic Brewing is really doing amazing things with non-alcoholic beer, which has gotten a terrible rep for many years, and deservedly so, but Athletic is not making some crappy subpar lager. I mean, they do make lagers and they're great, but they also make delicious IPAs, coffee stouts, and golden ales, which is the beer I often have for lunch or to cool off post-afternoon hike. And it only has 50 calories, four ingredients, and is below five parts per million in terms of gluten. And best of all, they ship to all 50 states and the shipping is free when you order two six-packs or more. Go to athleticbrewing.com shop and pick whatever two six-packs look interesting. Athleticbrewing.com shop. Get your free shipping when you order 12 beers or more today. The direct link is at the bottom of the show notes. And now the answer to today's pop quiz. Ghostbusters led the box office for 10 different weekends in the summer of 1984, from early June to mid-September. And now over to the media biz and social platforms. Sirius XM is really solidifying their move into the podcast business in 2020, closing in on a deal to buy Stitcher from EW Scripps for $300 million, according to the Wall Street Journal. Not a bad ROI, considering Scripps bought it for just $4.5 million four years ago. Stitcher's, of course, a podcast listening app, and yes, this podcast is on there. What up, Stitcher? But they also own and produce several podcasts, like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend and Freakonomics, as well as handle ad sales for several others, from Oprah's to Mark Maron's WTF. Sirius also already has a deal to create podcasts with Marvel, and recently bought a podcast hosting platform last month. So the question becomes, will their podcast play be for Sirius XM subscribers only, or will this be their venture over the paywall into free content? Either way, more to come. The Simon & Schuster imprint has a new publisher, former longtime New York Times reporter Dana Connedy, who most recently worked at the Pulitzer Organization, according to Variety. She also wrote a memoir in 2008, A Journal for Jordan. It's been adapted into a movie that was supposed to begin shooting this fall, starring Michael B. Jordan and Denzel Washington. Dana begins at Simon & Schuster at the end of the month, about two weeks after they released that book by Mary Trump, which has been pushed up to a week from today. In terms of the Hamilton effect for the business of Disney+, Plus, you may have seen some stats being thrown around today, so I thought I'd dive into what they all mean. Depending upon which app tracking service you believe, Disney+, Plus had somewhere between 530,000 and just under a million new mobile downloads worldwide over the weekend, according to sources like Deadline and The Wrap. Note, these are only mobile downloads and does not count downloads on platforms like Amazon Fire or Roku, nor any downloads in the world's third largest entertainment market of Japan or second most populated country of India, where Disney Plus is basically bundled into other services. 
But as Disney Plus ended their seven-day free trials last month, people did have to pay off the bat to watch Hamilton. So doing some back-of-the-napkin math, if most of those, say, 750,000 to a million people actually signed up and also keep their subscriptions for a year, that revenue alone would almost cover the $75 million acquisition cost for the movie, excluding marketing costs and the fact that Google and Apple keep 30% of the revenue from Disney Plus mobile subscriptions. So not exactly break even, but over time could be quite a payoff on the investment. All right, that was a lot of math. Uh, I'm going to go lie down for a second. Just one new programming note today. Netflix drops the new Jim Jeffries comedy special, Intolerant. Also a heads up that the guest celebrity hosts begin on Kimmel this week with Anthony Anderson tonight and Billy Eichner tomorrow and Thursday. And a rest in peace goes out to two men on, well, different ends of the music spectrum. The first one is one of the most famous film composers in the world, as you probably heard. Ennio Morricone, who created the sound of the Spaghetti Western, among many other achievements, winning an Oscar as recently as 2016 for his work on Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Ennio was 91 years old. And country singer Charlie Daniels also died yesterday at 83 years old in Nashville. And you definitely know his biggest hit. That's all for today. This fine podcast now has its own LinkedIn page. Don't act like you're not impressed. Just search The Wake Up on LinkedIn and please follow and share it on your account. The direct link is in the show notes as well. And I mean, finally, the chance to be the trendsetter that you've always dreamt of being. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you all tomorrow. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard. Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul.